Before we get into episode 94, uh, we got to talk a little bit about Patreon. Patreon is a great website to go to to help out artists such as ourselves. Uh, we are at patreon.com forward slash chew on this podcast where you can sponsor us for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, there's various tiers and various rewards depending on uh, what you donate. And uh, you could be part of the Chew Crew for as little as a dollar a month. So that's patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Chew on this podcast. You know, this year is uh, coming really fast. Like it's almost over. Yeah. Like Star Wars will be – you know what's going to happen is the first 11 and a half months – blew by like nothing and then the last two weeks or week before star wars comes it's going to be slow as hell yeah always <laughs> yeah so um but the reason why i bring up the year's almost over is we've been advertising or trying to get wawa to pay attention to us for eight months now seven months now yeah yeah long time <laughs> yeah and once again the hashtag is west coast wawa this is how much i love wawa right so i got cold brew from starbucks today and it sucked it, it sucked <laughs> It was better. Like going there. It was better when I had uh, fresh ground beans from a Wawa that a friend brought over from New Jersey, and I cold brewed it myself. And the beans were so much better. And I've actually cold brewed Starbucks coffee too, and the Wawa coffee is a hundred times better. And I'm not even doing yeah. it because I want Wawa out here, even though I do. I'm honestly telling you. The beans from Wawa, the coffee is way better than Starbucks. I'm yes, sure like the first the... Starbucks was good, but the Starbucks I went to was probably like 3049 <laughs> Like, and we, it wasn't good. We, we're, we love Wawa so much that we're rejecting Starbucks money right now. We're, we're getting all these sponsorships <laughs> yeah. from Starbucks. It's like, please mention us. And we're like, no, we want Wawa. No, yeah, that's, yeah, we wish. Um, um, but even then we would have a leg to stand on to actually say like, Hey, Wawa, um, we've been like loving you guys for showing you love for like seven months. Starbucks is coming to us and we're like, no, fuck you guys. The cold brew from Wawa is way better. Or Um, just take the Starbucks money and buy more Wawa. Or take Uh, the Starbucks money and open a Wawa. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be the ultimate fuck you. (laughs) Yeah. So what I'm telling everybody now on the West coast, if you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, you can actually go to Wawa's website and actually order their coffee, and they'll, they'll ship awesome. it to you. You can't get the sandwiches because that's just dumb, but you can definitely get the coffee. So, well, just you see go get the how coffee. see yeah, so you see how that kind of goes hand in hand. You support us on Patreon, we get enough backers, we'll open up our own Wawa. That's then a you lot stop. of Patreon subscribers. <laughs> but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wishful thinking. Uh, like the fact so that the there's last... like the fact that there's like seven hundred million dollars in lottery tickets out there right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I tell you. I tell you what. If we won that, or one of us won that, we would definitely open up a Wawa. It doesn't matter. I'd have like, a recording studio. I mean, I actually have a pretty decent recording studio right now um, in the in the room that nobody uses in the house, but. Uh, you don't. I think you sit in the kitchen. <laughs> no. no, I'm so literally at the dining room table right now. Yeah. Staring um, into the dark. Um, yeah, right, so, that would be a good use. So the other thing that we need to mention before we get into the next this episode is um, we're going to be at San Francisco Comic Con. Don't ask us how. It just happens. It just <laughs> it just happens. I don't know how this shit keeps happening, but somehow we're going to be like podcasting from the Oscars one day. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, and doing our Chewy Awards from there instead. <laughs> right. So we're – yeah, forget the Razzies. The Chewies are here. Uh, we're going to be um, – I, I don't have the room number on, ta- on me, but I, I'll mention that at some point as we get closer. But 
We are, it's going to be September. Well, I think San Francisco Comic-Con goes from September 1st through the 3rd. Right. We are going to be podcasting um, on September 2nd, which is a Saturday, in the evening. It's like 10 o'clock. I know that sounds late, but I'm telling you what, if you've ever been to any of these cons, whether it's a small one or a large one like San Diego, these things go all day and sometimes way into the night. And people are just fans, huge fans, crazy fans. Uh, nobody knows who we are, but we, we're hoping after this uh, – after what we have in store for our audience, we hope that uh, we'll, they'll get to know us. So, so I'm not going to say be exciting. I'm not, we don't really know what's going to happen. I know what I'm going to be doing there, but all I'm saying is bring munchies. Yeah, <laughs> for us. Yes, um, and and they, there can be sharing. There can't be sharing during the podcast, um, but we can share other things for us to get hungry. Um, no. <laughs> so, so if you are going to show up, don't, you know, you don't even have to come for the podcast, just hang out for 45 minutes listening or an hour listening to your, uh, to your iPhone or something, but just come hang out with us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then for all the you guys out there that are on the West or East coast or overseas or whoever is listening to us, you can listen to that podcast the following Monday. Nobody's so. listening to us overseas. <laughs> The only way somebody's listening to us overseas, it's one of our four viewers, and they go on vacation to, like, Europe. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And even then, they're not really listening to us. Yeah. Maybe. Um, well, anyway, well, so before we get into the pod, this is really cool how this came about. Oh, um, this yeah. we, we literally had no idea what we were going to do this week, and at the last minute, this thing happened. So basically, and what happened was I what read What was that thing? I, I read this were, article. Yeah, you were part of that. I, I read this article, and... It was about He Man's 30th anniversary, and it was about the <coughs> it was about the movie He Man the Toy was 30th anniversary. Wait, He Man the movie, I think, right? Yeah, the right. toys came out in '82, so it's like 35 years. Oh, or Jesus something Christ, since that came out. Yeah. <coughs> so anyway, so I read this article. Had no idea there was a documentary out there about who is responsible for creating He Man. I loved He Man growing up. That was my first real. Uh, toy figure action line that I loved. Um, even though I had Star Wars, I was too young to understand Star Wars, but I still had it. But He-Man was my first major love. Um, yeah. And then right after immediately He-Man died out, it was Transformers. But He-Man was my first major love. I didn't know this. I didn't even know this existed. I didn't know this was an issue. So I tracked, I tried to watch the documentary, check Netflix, check Amazon, nothing. Hulu. I was like, fuck you guys. It better not be on Hulu. Um, cause I don't have Hulu. Um, <laughs> And it wasn't online. And then I found him on Facebook, come to find out that the movie hasn't been released in five years now since it was finished. Yeah, they yeah they finished it back <laughs> so, in 2011 or 2012. So I had like no idea what was going on. And so I was like, you know what? I love this shit. Me, me and you have told have said it re- like so many times that we love the behind-the-scenes stuff uh, oh, yeah. on all of the Blu-rays. That's the first thing I go to before I even watch the movie when I did buy Blu-rays. Um, so this stuff is like right up my alley. It's like King Kong. I loved it. The the Conan, uh, the, the Canon uh, documentary. Uh, oh, yeah. Canon Films. That's awesome. Um, I, you know, I love all this stuff, right? So I internet stalked him. Found the guy on Twitter or the movie on Twitter, the the handle, and I was like, you know what, screw it, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna tweet him like every other person that fucking ignores us, <laughs> like every- <laughs> still waiting for the Rock, I'm still waiting for, um, like Emma Watson, I'm still waiting for Christopher <laughs> Nolan, um, keep waiting, Mark Hamill, <laughs> so I'm still waiting for all these people, Michael Bay, 
he would be the last person to ever respond to us. Um, but you know, right. if he did, he definitely didn't listen to our podcast, but, uh, no, that, that would be awesome. <clears throat> oh, that would be great. It would be like, it would be like, you know, Steve Carell, um, you know, interviewing Toby, like, Oh, Who do you yeah. think you are? <laughs> <laughs> so, the unlike everybody else, uh, this the the director uh, actually messaged me back. <laughs> yeah. So this took place all in three days. So his name is Corey Landis, um, and I should have asked him if he was related to John Landis, but I didn't do that. But oh, um, that'd be so cool. It would have been funny that I didn't ask him that question, and he is related to John Landis. Yeah, right. Um, but anyway, so he, he, he got back to us, and all of this went down in, in two days. Um, and he actually sent us a link for the movie. And I got to tell you, this has we don't pull punches if you've listened to this podcast. We will tell you if it sucks. This yeah. is awesome. If, if you yes. grew up in the same time frame that we did, you're going to love it. If you love documentaries, uh, you're going to love it. If you love great stories, you're going to love it. There's characters, there's actual characters in this documentary that you're going to love and hate at the same you, time. You can't make up. Yeah, you can't make these like, people up. It's it's awesome. And it, it, to me, because, you know, I, I, I played King Kong. I mean, I played Donkey Kong when I was a kid, but I didn't love Donkey Kong. I loved He-Man. And I'm telling you right now, I like this documentary way more than I did King of Kong. Yeah, I I, I kind of did too. Like if they because made one for Transformers, I would it would probably be like put it over the top. <laughs> yeah, just because yeah. Transformers, I think I loved more than than He Man. But He Man was my first my first real love of yeah, uh, it's, action it, figures. This is it's a riveting story, and and I mean he really I think he went there to do one thing and came out of there with something much bigger, you know. And uh, he said there was. Hundred like just hours and hours of footage, and they whittled it down to something very compelling. Yeah, this is and, this uh, is how good the documentary is. We did research on the movie because we thought the documentary was a big portion of the movie. It's not. It's maybe like no. ten minutes long. The documentary yeah. is so good that we actually watched Transformers the night before. To, I mean, sorry, uh, He Man Masters of the Universe the night before the movie. We watched that one to get ready for the podcast. I didn't want to talk about the movie anymore <laughs> after I watched the documentary. <laughs> I didn't either. All I wanted to talk about was the toys, but here's the other catch too. This is a spoiler-free podcast. Yes, um, yes, because the movie has not been shown yet. Uh, very few people to the have public. seen it, so I yeah. felt very privileged to be able to watch it. So th- there's no spoilers in here, but maybe we can get Corey back once it gets released, and then we can spoil the shit out of it because there's things in this that I wanted to say, but I couldn't. I know, I know. We wanted to talk so badly about it, but I think we did a pretty good job of like – Getting a, a lot out of him and, and the origin of this and why he did it and and what he got out of it and it's it, this actually this is a really fun podcast. So yeah, he I actually had stories really that this. he actually had stories about making the film that he couldn't tell us until the film was actually released. Right. So right. he's got more stories for us. So we're hoping he doesn't hate us after this podcast and actually comes back on. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a pretty cool guy, but um, yeah, we hope, we hope you guys enjoy this podcast. And then I hope, I really, really hope that uh, he said the movie is the closest it's ever been to being released. I hope that happens because people need to watch it. It's really, really good. I hope Netflix picks it up because it's that good. It really needs to, to be up there maybe with, can, the, with the rest. Maybe, maybe it can fill the void of all the Disney shit leaving. Yeah. And uh, Corey, if you're, uh, if you're listening to this, uh, Put uh, once the movie does get released, uh, put uh, thanks to Chew on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's. Uh, just, <laughs> he's like, no. Yeah, that's what he's 
<laughs> All right. Well, uh, strap in, folks. Uh, enjoy uh, Corey Landis and the maker of uh, the documentary called Toy Masters. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, it's called Toys Masters, and it's about like the the origin of uh, the He-Man uh, character. Riveting stuff. All right. Well, enjoy. A special episode of Chew on This and Nerds United podcast. I'm BJ. Vic. So we have uh, documentary filmmaker Corey Landis, uh, who, I, I mean, went on this unbelievable journey uh, to figure out where He Man originated from, the actual action figure, uh, which is absolutely riveting to me, too. I, I've, I remember those toy lines uh, very well back in the day. Of course, I was a Star Wars guy, but. Uh, but He-Man always kind of fascinated me when I was a kid. I loved the, that action figure line, and my friends all had them, and I didn't. <laughs> so it was kind of one of those things. But um, anyway, uh, but this this documentary, uh, Corey, is is pretty fascinating. And uh, when did you? How did you guys like kind of come up with this idea? What kind of sparked that? Well, let's wait. I'm sorry. Go. Let's go back to. So, I don't, Corey, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to any of our, our podcasts, but we anytime we get anybody on, we basically internet stalk the shit out of you. So, like, we look up your name. Um, oh, oh and no. by the way, by, by the way, you can curse in on this podcast too. Yeah, okay. so, um, right. so, um, so we inter- I I internet stalked you, and I, I I came came to find out that you played Young Red on that '70s show, which <laughs> I remember that episode. I remember that too because it was yeah. so freaking cool how spot on you were because he's got like a very distinct delivery and and like i i love that guy. i was always scared of that guy because i remember watching robocop as a kid oh yeah so it really uh it, when he was that 70s show father i was like oh god it's that guy from robocop who's a real asshole and yeah uh, well i so remember different. him from uh, I remember him from Dead Poet Society. Uh, oh, was the father being that scary dad? And so yeah, yeah I was I was uh, I was not only terrified uh, just to meet him in general. I was terrified to have to do some half-ass uh, impersonation of him too. So, <laughs> but I, but I had nothing nothing to worry about because he honestly is the nicest guy on the face of the earth. He's just so tremendously nice. Did he? Uh, was he able to? talk to you after he saw your performance his imitation your imitation of him yeah i mean he saw sort of saw it in the moment during rehearsals and um you know i just kind of sheepishly was like dude i'm so sorry that i'm doing this and he was just like what are you talking about this is great you know so he's <laughs> he's just he's super super sweet so i uh it, he was a really great guy uh, to hang out with yeah did, did he, you watch did he, ever, did he ever call you a dumbass <laughs> he may have done it uh, only in good fun. Yeah. Did you watch a lot of footage from that '70s show to get it right, or did you watch a bunch of other stuff like RoboCop? Um, well, it was it was in a weird time when there wasn't a lot of stuff immediately available. When I went in for the callback, they gave me 
uh, and this should tell you, uh, you know, whereabouts we were in technology. They they gave me a uh, a video cassette tape uh, to to look at, and it was called like the Best of Red, and it was just a series of clips of, <laughs> of him. And, uh, so I took this, uh, you know, this cassette tape home, and that's what I uh, sort of looked at, and that was kind of it because it was really the early days of the internet, and I had never seen the show before and um i basically i knew who he was from you know robocop and dead poet society and i just kind of went on that plus the uh the video cassette tape they gave me well i, I remember i was shocked when i saw this i was like oh my god it's the same guy yeah I, I remember that episode vividly <laughs> thinking this guy nailed him perfectly because yeah. he's so dry well thanks i mean it's it's just uh it's you know, some people can sort of uh, mimic or imitate, and uh, I didn't, you know, didn't have a whole lot to do, so um, I was very uh, glad that I was able to get the part. So then fast forward 10 years later, and you decide <laughs> yeah, to make no, a documentary. No, yeah, nothing happened in between. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and you I decided was... to do this documentary uh, about yeah. a toy that you loved. Yeah, basically. Um I, I became friends with uh, my co-director, Roger Lay, when he cast me in a film that he was producing, which was a, uh, a Ray Bradbury uh, adaptation, and uh, we became good friends. Um, he's a, found out that he was a big sci-fi, you know, um, comic book nerd guy himself, nice. and so we, we just shared a lot of interest and stories, and... We were both we both had a lot of time on our hands, and so we were we were writing scripts together. And in in the course of writing uh, scripts together, we just shared all of these stories and and past experiences of things that we we liked, um, you know, comedy and all sorts of stuff. And He Man came up, obviously. Masters came up, and he uh, he asked me if I had ever read uh, a certain book about it. Uh, about the history of it, and I said no. And he said, "Well, you gotta, you gotta borrow it, and you gotta read it." And so he loaned me, uh, he loaned me Roger Sweet's book, Mastering the Universe, and oh, I yeah. took it, I took it home, and uh, and I read the thing, and I just thought it was uh, fascinating, and uh, so much of it was unknown to me, and I was, I considered myself to be a pretty big, you know, a fan from from childhood, and. And I just said to uh, uh, Roger Lay, um, I said, uh, you know, we're, we're writing all these scripts and it's going to, who knows if these things are going to ever get done. And Roger had some experience uh, doing a little bit of uh, behind the scene footage on Everybody Loves Raymond. And he shot a, uh, a documentary about Forey Ackerman. And he had all the equipment left over from the uh, feature film that I met him on. And I just said, look, we got the equipment. We only need a camera and a microphone. This is a fascinating story, and somebody's going to do this at some point. Why don't we just – we'd be kind of fools if we didn't sort of uh, try to do something with this. That's awesome. And, and he was the one, though, that um, – because I, I, I come up with bullshit ideas all the time, and you know, right. I, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> right. not going to pursue them. It's very easy to go, you know what we should do? But Roger, to his credit, was the one that started uh, uh, just compiling a list of – all of the people we should get in contact with and then oh. finding a way to get in contact with them. And that's how it started. It was just kind of like every weekend we would go, uh, you know, Roger would say, hey, I contacted so-and-so this week and they're available for an interview. Why don't we go see them? And there's so many oh. people that were in the L.A. area 
we just started doing it that way. We had no idea what was going to come of it. It was just easy enough to do because we had the time, the people, and um, you know the equipment. And so we just started collecting footage. We just started interviewing people, and uh, we just started going down the list and ticking them off. And we wanted to get as many people from all the different eras and yeah. um, you know aspects of the Masters line that we could. And then you know we got to a certain point, and we kind of felt like you know, we we kind of hit everything and we talked to a bunch of people and we just, Roger went off and he took, oh man, I can't remember how many hours of footage we had. Um, I want to say it was something like 50 or something like that. And he oh, cut it man. down to, yeah, he cut it down to, uh, he cut it down to four hours and he sort of just put it in, um, you know, a, a timeline sort sort of order and mm-hmm. and just sort of chopped off all the all the stuff that we, knew that we wouldn't need or want in it and and it was just sort of a just a series of four hours of talking heads and um <laughs> you know and then uh from that point uh i think what happened next was we needed sort of an incentive to get moving on it and try to turn it into something and so i think um somebody i think robert burnett maybe uh, got us entered into the fantasia film festival which is a big, influential, um, you know, sort of fantasy and science fiction festival in Montreal. So we got it entered in that, and now it became well. We've got a we've got a drop dead date in order to get this thing cut down to you know <laughs> something reasonable. So uh, and then I uh, I think at that point I'm trying to remember. I think I took it off with a friend of mine who had final cut and just started whittling it down with uh with his help and then just kind of added um some temp music and so forth and we had something like a little bit over an hour and a half somewhere between an hour and a half and an hour and 45 minutes version yeah. that we that we showed at Fantasia It's and pretty tight. It's pretty tight. Yeah, at this point, yeah, it's been it's been uh, uh reinvestigated, re-edited a, a a couple times, but that the main sort of storyline and thread was sort of put into place at that point and everything since then has basically just been uh trimming the fat adding the bells and whistles on production value and um, was the uh cartoon or the the crayon drawings part of the original cut no no that was added that's that's definitely part of the uh bells and whistles we added after the fact that was <laughs> that was done i would say fairly recently uh, just as a device where we knew we needed some sort of visual uh, uh, accompaniment to some of the voiceovers, and we were trying to figure out what would be best. And we just thought, well, I mean, when we were kids, we used to sit in classrooms and, you know, draw Star Wars and Masters and all this sort of stuff. So <laughs> it'd be kind of cool if we had, like, uh, you know, like, uh, it looks like an 11-year-old did these drawings of the things yeah. that we were talking about. So that's that's kind of how that came about. And then um, Mike Nichols, who was... Uh, who ended up being one of the producers on it and one of the editors, and um, uh, he ended up animating that stuff. So that's how that turned out. Was it an actual 11-year-old who did the drawings, or one of you guys faked it? <laughs> um, I, I, I was going to draw them because I, I, I can draw, but um, I had a friend uh, who had, who had I, I'd seen his sort of uh, amateur comic strip work before and i knew that it was the 
perfect look for it. Um, he's an mm. adult. He's, he's, he's a couple <laughs> years younger than me. Um, but I thought, like, I could do this, but but it wouldn't look quite like this. And I knew he had the absolute perfect touch, That just the, the way of uh, making it look very sort of um, deceptively simple and naive. And he did exactly yeah. what – yeah. You could tell um, what each th- those drawings. You could tell who each person was very distinctly. Yeah, so yeah, that, exactly. I like that. No, yeah, he did a he did a great job. I mean, he he uh, obviously you know copied all of the distinct outfits from from the <laughs> interviews, and then I hand colored each one of those um, in colored <laughs> pencil myself. So I, I at least I at least did that. It looks great. It gave a really good feel of like being a kid because you're watching. Because you're watching this as an adult, but the the crayon drawings brought me back to 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 being a kid. Also, yeah. the comer- also the commercials, like all the commercials that you show oh, in, yeah. in the totally. in the documentary. Uh, yeah. Just so, so our listeners know, it, it's not we're we're not going to go into spoiler territory uh, in this one. So it's going to be a spoiler free interview. Um, but the, these things don't take away from the actual content of the documentary because so any so basically how this came about. Is this came about really quickly? Uh, a, a lot, <laughs> the last couple really f- faster than I didn't. I probably our fastest interview ever. Um, and I basically just read an article, saw your eleven minute clip that you released to promote the film, and I f- searched you guys out on Twitter, and I was thinking. I love this thing, but I can't find it anywhere. And then I saw your Facebook page, and I read a, a bunch of w- uh, what was going on and why, why I couldn't find the film. Yeah. And I just was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to tweet this guy and see what, <laughs> see what happens. You know, I was, I didn't think, I didn't think you get responded back because we've, we've tweeted like The Rock like 50 times. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's slightly busier than I am. <laughs> uh, but it was What's- so cool that you agreed to do it in such short notice, quick turnaround, and that you actually gave us a, a copy, um, uh, to watch the film, which was awesome. And oh my God, um, it, was amazing. it was, it was so great. It's right up our alley. It's something that, that brings us back to being a child right. and something. And for me, like I actually grew up to be like almost like a history nerd. Cause sometimes I watch a history channel on just like just about anything, sure. but nothing, nothing makes me nerd out even more than like the history of something else that I love. Yeah. Like, like, comic books, movies, uh, toys. Yeah. Uh, I think when we, when we talked earlier, I had mentioned the, uh, Superman lives documentary, right? And how much I thought it was so fascinating of a movie that didn't even get made. Um, and I was not aware of the story that you guys told about, uh, the, who made the, or who created the He-Man toy line. Um, yeah. or, so originally I thought it was good. You were going to, we were going to talk about the movie, um, but when I, after I watched the documentary, I was like, I don't want to talk about the movie anymore. I want to talk about, <laughs> I want to talk about your documentary without spoiling it. Yeah, no, it's, it's such a, it's such a crazy story. And again, it just, it went kind of back to that book that, uh, my buddy Roger Lay gave me. And once I read it, I was like, this is too good not to tell, you know? So there's, and there's so many, so I knew that we were going to, in the course of the interviews, get into a little bit of that territory. And for those of uh, people, uh, for those of you listening, it's if you if you're not aware, there's a bit of controversy uh, over who actually uh, created the original concept for He-Man and Masters of the Universe. And so I knew we were going to delve into that a little bit in the interviews. But there was so much 
other interesting, fascinating, crazy mm-hmm. stuff that um, that ends up happening over the course of the toy line. That it just was a gold mine, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. especially especially what's this? Uh, what uh, you were PJ? You were going to mention Lou Scheimer. Oh, yeah. Schimer. Oh, my God. Every time Isn't that guy came great? on screen, I just I was like, I want more of this guy. I was sitting I there know. like but by the end of the, the documentary, I was like, God damn it. I wish there was some like way in this universe to make this into a 10 episode Netflix. You know, uh, I know. You know what I mean? Like it. it no. It like that murderer show, whatever that was on the how to you making, know, making a murder. A murder. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you know who who created He Man. I I could have watched this thing for hours because those, these guys are riveting. Especially no, they're, just they're, one whole episode with just Lou Scheimer. Yes, no, <laughs> yeah. exactly. No, they're fascinating. They're fascinating characters, and that's the thing about this that I really wanted to make sure that you know it came across for people is that people. Uh, can see this movie whether they have any idea what He-Man or Masters of the Universe mm-hmm. is at all. If you are a, a, a human being who is remotely interested in interesting people and interesting stories, this is it. And and the guys in it are just such characters. They're so fascinating. You know, we we the whole time Roger and I were making this, we were just we were envisioning a whole animated series with just Roger Sweet called The Sweet Life. <laughs> You know, <laughs> just the following sweet the sweet life, just following him on his day to day sort of deal. And, and, and uh, obviously, Lou Scheimer is just uh, hilarious. And yeah, I mean, there's so many great people in this thing that it's worth watching for just the characters alone. So for, for the listeners who don't know, and I didn't know either, Lou Scheimer was the head of Filmation, the yeah. animation co- uh, company. Yeah, he was a real, uh, real mention, a real revolutionary uh, guy, and he was behind uh, everything from Fat Albert to the real, not the real Ghostbusters, the the Ghostbusters that aren't the real Ghostbusters. Uh, With the gorilla. And, yes, yes, and oh, uh, and a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of other stuff, and most notably, um, you know, the He-Man cartoon, and you know, he was. Everybody, he's he's passed at this point. He he died shortly after we interviewed oh. him. And oh, wow. uh, in in the in the doc, you can see that he's um, a little shaky. It's because he had Parkinson's. Um, mm. So, but he everybody in the world loved Lou, and he was so lovely to us. And we were just surprised how. Uh, and animated and honest and cantankerous he was um yeah just uh, refreshingly and we i pulled uh, i pulled his daughter aside who was also interviewed in the film and mm-hmm. she, she was she was there the whole time and you know i didn't know how much of you know his illness was affecting him and i don't know what medication he was on and all this stuff and i just said to erica his daughter i said you know I, if there's any of the stuff that you think we shouldn't be using just say something she was like no this is dad this is what he does this is totally dad. <laughs> yeah all right all right no problem so yeah that was just him he was uh, raw yeah just a real honest guy you know what's so great is that he was all about making good stories for kids and yes. you know, good messaging stories and the first thing he says is calling the guys at mattel's a bunch of fucking pricks <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, everybody, everybody was in this thing at 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 different points for different reasons. And mm-hmm. Lou, um, Lou was, you know, he wore his heart on his chest, and he uh, he definitely um, was in it uh, as an advocate for 
the kids and yeah. which is which is especially ironic considering how much shit the show ended up getting as as if it were dangerous for kids and you know satanic and all this sort of stuff they okay. they couldn't have they couldn't have had a better advocate in in Lou uh and uh and yeah he he was uh sort of a right to um be suspicious of the um you know uh, what the guys at Mattel were after and up to because they they were coming at it from a very different perspective. Oh, and, it's very uh, different. Yeah, yeah. Like like thank you, George Lucas. <laughs> yeah, essentially, <laughs> right. <laughs> Ruined it for everybody. Was there any? Uh, is there anything that you had to cut? Like a story that was just a fascinating story that might have not had to do with He Man that you had to cut, but it was just so good. That like stuck out to you? Uh, we cut um, we cut a couple different chunks. Um, the big chunk that we sort of lost that uh, some people are going to be a little pissed about was the Shira. Um, uh, oh Avenue. right, um, yeah. So there was uh, there was a really interesting story um, uh, from a writer named Barbara Hambly uh, that uh, was part of the Shira chunk where. She said that she wrote uh, a, uh, a sort of a sword and sorcery fantasy fiction novel with a female uh, lead who was named Shira, and I think it was spelled like S-H-I-R-A or something like mm-hmm. that. And she ended up getting bought out by Mattel f- for so much money that she ended up either making a down payment or buying a whole house. And... And uh, she told this just this great story where this guy like met her in a parking lot, you know, under cover of midnight with a trench coat and a manila envelope and sort of like, you know, like slid slid this envelope to her. Yeah, it was very cloak and dagger sort of thing. And she realized, uh, you know, that she wasn't worried about that that the Mattel wasn't worried about her suing them. Mattel Mm -hmm. was worried about somebody buying her book and Uh them coming around and and so it was just so convoluted and so legal schmegel and all this stuff. It was a really interesting story for this this woman who had no connection to anything other than sort of the general topic and having a name that sort of sounded like it. And she ended up just with like a wad of cash in her lap just just because. And she was just like, "What the hell just happened?" You know. So that was that, that was a pretty that was a pretty great story. But it was That's it was cool. tough to it was tough to lose the Shira stuff um, just because it was such a big part of the overall story but um we had to yeah it was it was mainly if it didn't fit into certain categories uh we we lost it so if even great trivia bits that i knew um super fans were going to be interested in if it didn't fit into like we had like three or four different categories that we were dealing with if it didn't fit into that we had to lose it because it, it just ended up being a speed bump you know so and she and she she was one of those things. She were basically the only thing she were kind of added to the story was girls got involved, and it was like, well, that's not that's not a big enough sort of deal to make a whole um, you know little uh, detour for you know. Right, right. What uh, um, was there a head person that came up with Shira? I don't think there was uh, one particular person. Just like I mean, as as you've seen in the story, there is never one mm-hmm. particular person. Um, but it, it was just sort of like you know, we're already doing Barbie. It looks like girls are playing with this. How can we capitalize? My on sister them? had Shira. Like she was so yeah, psyched. Mine too. 
yeah. because you know I had He Man and um and man she fuck she fucking loved Shira like she had everything Shira she had the mask I even yeah. had there's a there's an old Polaroid of her within in the Shira mask and it was like so cool for her to actually get something that was in like the same universe as some boys toys yeah. Mm-hmm. And she fucking loved that thing. Um, and yeah. then, like, you know, I think He-Man came first for the cartoon, like, as far as, like, the syndication goes, uh, or when it was airing on TV, and then she was right after. So, so like, both of us would watch yeah, exactly. a full hour of He-Man, yeah. basically. I did, yeah, I did the same thing. Yeah, because you got introduced to her through the... Uh the Secret of the Sword, uh, the crossover movie that right. went to theaters, and so once I saw that, I was like, "Oh, I know these characters now. I'll continue to watch, you know, the shows." So yeah, yeah, I remember watching Shira too, like not thinking it was a big deal, um, and you know, it wasn't. It was like, "Oh, it's a girl show." It's like, no, it kind of originates from He Man, so it's still it was still kind of cool to watch. Yeah, I mean, those shows were, you know, they they were action packed and and they had you know good versus evil, and they always had like some sort of morality or some sort of moral story that, like, it was almost like watching an animated uh, Full House episode or something like that. Totally, you know? but <laughs> yeah, but but with action figures, so it was you know it was it was cool. I mean, it was cool back then to watch it. There wasn't really a whole lot of things out there like that. Um, no, and if there no, were, it was. Yeah, it was the first thing. Yeah, uh, it was eighty seven. Was the cartoon or eighty six? No, eighty six or eighty five was the cartoon. Uh, I want to say that it started more like in. Uh, I should know this by now, but I'm bad with with. I thought it was um, like eighty. I thought it was like it, it was three. Yeah, it was it was early because yeah, it was like in the second year of the toy line they started talking about doing the show. So you know, because it preceded. It was, this was my first like major love of a toy line. Like I yeah. had, I had other things. Like I, I remember, I had the Mork and Mindy toy, the the Mork toy where you could pull yep. the string. I had yeah. that, but nothing like a toy line. Oh, well, Star Wars, of course. But then, but my, I wasn't huge into Star Wars growing up. I still had the Falcon and everything. But I remember the first major love of of a toy line was He Man for me, yeah. and then after that was was Transformers. Yeah, yeah, it was a good time to be a kid. It was, yeah. uh, it was Star Wars for me, but I actually had the whole entire line of uh, Clash of the Titans. Like, oh, I, wow. <laughs> yeah, you were the one. I, I had the entire line. I, I loved it. I, I love that movie so much. I still do, and I still own it. But, uh, but I remember I, I didn't know too much about Mattel's background until I kind of watched something about Mattel recently, and they – you know they were having all sorts of uh, problems after oh, they yeah. pa- they passed on uh, Star Wars, so they were buying they were spending all that money on buying rights right to things yeah. like they were yeah buying, yeah oh you explained that in the documentary pretty well um, so but it was funny they were naming off these the rights of some of the things that they got and I was like oh shit I I had all those things like right <laughs> I I you know and then but He Man I never bought I loved it I loved the look of it I maybe it was past my gener I don't know maybe it was not my generation I don't know I'm a little bit older but I I watched I loved the cartoon I had friends that had the toys I was always playing with them you know. And, um, there was GI Joe and Transformers. You know, there was all sorts of things out there that. Which was yeah. uh, which toy was your favorite? Uh, which which act? Which He Man line was your favorite? Like which was the He Man himself? Was it the battle damage He Man or the regular He Man? If it was uh, He Man, 
I I always, as far as like the main characters and then their sort of offshoots, I always preferred the original. I never I never understood like when I would go to the store and see Batman wearing like Arctic camo. I was like, what the hell is this? I don't remember. Oh, right, right, right. You we know. Yeah, we've so, talked heavily about that. You, you've seen oh, really? other toys. Yeah, like uh, we mentioned on a previous podcast that Superman like came with the plane or like, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, or, or like, like, or he would fire rockets. And I'm like, why the fuck would Superman fire rockets? Yeah, I he can never, charter. <laughs> never got that stuff. So I always liked the original He-Man and the original Skeletor. Um, I Hordak, I, I've always really liked um, off of the, uh, you know, he kind of came from the, the She-Ra show just because I, I thought that he, he just looked so cool. He was just mm-hmm. such a, you know, I, you know, it, sort of sort of a, a skull, but sort of not. And, you know, red eyes sort of. And it's I just. Yeah, he had an interesting I, look. I, yeah, I thought he was pretty evil looking for. You know, for a, a kid's toy, and I really enjoyed that. Um, and then I think the first one I ever got was Manny Faces, mm. uh, and that was sort of fun. Um, and then I had uh, I really enjoyed the uh, the Fright Zone uh, playset where you could you could put your hand into the sort of snake uh, hand puppet, and you could grab oh, grab right. figures and bring them back into the into the deal. So yeah, I, uh, I didn't have a whole lot cause my, my, you know, my parents weren't sort of extravagant. I didn't have the big play sets. I didn't have castle gray skull or anything, but I had gray yeah. skull, but, uh, you know, I was I had, that kid that I was that kid. You would have came over to my house. Oh yeah. Had, no. Yeah. I would have been very, you would have, <laughs> you would have had the, the, the sugar cereal and everything. And I would have just told my mom how much cool your parents were. <laughs> <laughs> You have the, the museum house. You can't touch shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My favorite was uh, Ram Man and he and the original oh. He Man and Battle Cat. Yeah, because uh, yes. you could actually like. I remember his legs. Remember they were green, and you could push them down, and all it had was like a simple button to make him actually ram, like in the, in yeah. the cartoon too. But I would do it so much, even if I wasn't like acting out a scene i would still press the button just to make noise i guess like all kids are fidget- sure. fidgety and shit and the yeah. green was like completely worn off by the time you know <laughs> i was done with that toy his legs were no longer green you could see the plastic uh, underneath yeah i mean he's an interesting one because he's with with very little exception he's the only one that doesn't fit the body mold of like ninety nine percent of the other figures. Yeah, you know he I mean? was more they're, like they're all from. They're he's all actually from shaped the like a piece of toast. Yeah, he's a completely <laughs> yes, yes. He's yeah, he's like a, he's, he's like a doorstop, but, but he's he's the only real one except for Orko, which came from the animated show. That just his body isn't that of a like a muscular guy with a head on it. He's a totally different sort of thing. So that's kind of he's kind of an interesting one. Yeah. Today, but, uh, oh, no, go ahead. Uh, no, no, no. I well, was gonna. Uh, well, I was going to say, like, the 30-year the anniversary of the movie was literally just, like, what, a couple days ago? And, yes. uh Which, that's so weird how all this kind of came together. But um, did they make up uh, – I'm not too familiar with the characters, but did they make up characters for the movie? And I'm not yes, talking here. about, like, the black Stormtrooper guys, but, yeah. like, the – but yeah, like they the, they made up uh, stuff. Um, you know, they made up uh, Gwildor and there was the a li- handful. The lizard of guy that Skeletor Skeletor oh, killed. Oh, Karg is it Karg yeah, or Karg, something? Karg, right, or Karg. and Blade. Blade, I Blade was new. Yeah, 
They okay. made up uh, several different ones. I mean, they needed Julie and Kevin it. were made up. Right. <laughs> you didn't have wait, you didn't have those action figures those action figures. I think you had uh, to get like five He-Mans to mail in the UPC to get Kevin. Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I they want Kevin. No, no. Um, but yeah, like Wildor was sort of like an Orco stand-in and, you know, they they they, you know, budgetary kind of yeah, well, budgetary. Yeah, they couldn't have a flying thing around them. That would have been too much money. But yeah, they did. Add, they did make up a couple different characters specifically. I was so disappointed when I went to go see this um, because I I think I had stopped playing with the toys around this time frame that the movie came out. And yeah. I remember not or- Orko wasn't in the movie. I was so pissed that he wasn't. Yeah. And then right. the next thing I was pissed about was the fact that Tila didn't match her cart. Didn't match her cartoon or toy figure. Yeah, like her outfit. Yeah. Or the yeah. man, at, man at arms didn't either. Or well, he for man. Tila, for yeah, Tila, like my 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 hormones were kicking in, so I was kind of pissed about that. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. Tila's outfit didn't match. I yeah, just find it true. funny that nobody comments on He-Man's outfit at all. Like not once <laughs> when he's movie, on Earth. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, she just like Courtney Cox just runs into him in the alleyway and then just hugs him. And I'm like, dude, he's like sweaty or baby oil all over him. Like yeah. it's gross. Yeah, <laughs> it's not terrible. somebody you want to run into in an alleyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, so what you think? What would you think of the movie when you saw it first? Yeah. Uh, well, I um, I came to it a little late. I did not see it in the theaters, and I was kind of moving past. I was at the very tail end of me being sort of into into He Man, and so I ended up seeing it on VHS maybe a year or two after it came out. I want to say or maybe a year. I don't know. And I was. Whether it was my age or whether it was the movie or whatever, I was I wasn't girls. that I uh, girls I wasn't <laughs> that uh, I wasn't that into it. Um, and it's you know it's it's uh, it's hard for me to say because I made the documentary and I you know I know Gary Goddard and I really like uh, you know Frank Langella's performance and yes I just you know I just met Meg Foster and she's like so nice and all this stuff and oh and. You know uh, the, the the designs. You know Bill Stout's designs. Bill Stout is like the coolest guy alive, and he's such a great artist. And like, there's so many great elements in the movie. But for me, as a kid, not knowing anybody, not knowing anything, and being a real fan of kind of the way that the original cartoon uh, and toys looked, I mm-hmm. was not. A, I wasn't a huge fan. Um, there are definitely great things about it, and the more I watch it, I do appreciate more and more of, of certain elements in it. But immediately when it came out, it was not like a Star Wars for me where I was like, this is the best thing on Earth. Right, know? right. Yeah. I was just really dis- – we were talking about this off air, but we were just really disappointed that he literally used that sword maybe a couple of times. Like it was all like he was shooting everybody with lasers. And I was like, yeah. G.I. Yeah. Joe or is this He-Man? <laughs> like, what is this? Right. And then the thing is, the original, the original, <laughs> and the, again, this is nothing to take away from the work that uh, Mobius and Bill Stout did, but like the original design of that sword was so iconic and so oh, unique. Oh, yes. That, and then to change it in the movie, it was kind of like, eh, you know. Yeah. Was, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, and they decided not to give him a shield, and he actually could have used the shield every like scene that he was in. <laughs> right. <laughs> Shot at Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, obviously when you see either our little extended clip that we have online or when you eventually see the movie, you see that everybody was working under 
extreme. Well, there's another there's another documentary on Netflix, or I'm not sure it's still on Netflix. I think BJ, right? You just saw it yes, the other day. Yes, just about about Canon films. It's about uh, yeah, it's about oh Canon the Canon, yeah, the the what the something boys the. Uh, well, there's two of them. There's two. There's of them. one called the Something Boys. The the Something Boys. I can't the remember. Go-Go, the Go Go. The Go Go. Go Go Boys. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, but yeah, the Canon guys were just. Especially at that point in history, I mean that they were just they were dying. So um, it's it's understandable that the movie isn't as great as maybe some people wanted it to be. You know, I think no, it really my, even at that age, it really threw me off that it's called Masters of the Universe and they spend ninety percent of the movie on Earth. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they're they're the masters of a different universe. Okay, <laughs> so let's cheap. go. Yeah, let's stay in theirs. Yeah, yeah. They were probably using the Back to the Future backlot. I mean, they even got Strickland to be in it too. They're just like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. He was just hanging out. They just were like, hey, you want to be in this? Yeah. <laughs> now, to my to understand, are they actually? Did somebody else gain the rights to this, and they're going to do a movie? Like Sony, it, I, right? I, I heard it yeah. actually has a, a date. It actually has a date now too. Yeah, it's been um, it's been sort of passed around. I think at this point. I think Sony has the rights to the property. Um, at one point, I think uh, is it, what's his name? McGee is that his name? The guy who did the uh, um, oh no, you the know Terminator who I'm talking about. Salvation. Yeah, I, I think he was attached at one point. Um, I don't know good. scripts. Of, well, it, it could have changed hands again because uh, so I think several scripts have been written, several directors have been attached, but I do believe that. Things are kind of moving forward, um, but uh, I don't really know a whole lot. I just know that every every six months something pops up where it says "Masters of the Universe" script has been passed around, and you know here's a possible poster image. And so it's yeah. at least it's still out there, and it's still you know being talked about. So I do think something will happen at some point. It but looks it looks like David S. Goyer is on board. To okay. write it, and it said 2019 release, so I don't know. That's, okay. That means they'd have to start filming like pretty quickly. Hey, they'll uh, get their movie out before we get ours out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's but, that was one of the questions that I, I was kind of apprehensive to ask you because I know you, you've said oh, so many times on no, Facebook. Please, I, I welcome all questions. So, well, I well I know like I. I don't want to be that t- reporter in the you know the 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 movie marketing circuit where I ask the same question like oh how do, how do, what was your inspiration for this character <laughs> you know? um, but I I, I want to I, I would want to do justice uh, for the movie and and for our listeners who don't know um, how long and the struggle that you've gone through to 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 try to get this movie distributed so if you could talk a little bit about that right now yeah um I mean we started this. Uh, a while ago, and we had every intention of getting it out by a certain point, which is why we sort of announced at a certain point that we were going to have it out by a certain date. And uh, we weren't we weren't being disingenuous. We honestly thought it was going to happen, and uh, a variety of different uh, stumbling blocks. Uh, just kept coming up and continue to come up. Um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's just me and my partner, or at least it was at at a certain point. Um, it was just the two of us, and we did 
you know, most of the work ourselves, uh, with, with, a, you know, uh, you know, like I would toss, uh, the artwork to my buddy and all this stuff. And then at a certain point we did involve Mike Nichols who did, uh, some editing stuff and post-production and, mm-hmm. um, and really made the film, um, presentable. And, uh, so at a certain point we, we got more help, but a lot of, um, mistakes were made along the way um, because we'd never really done this uh, this mm-hmm. kind of thing before, and also we're dealing with Mattel, and well, not dealing personally with, but we're dealing with the entity of Mattel and their property, and um, so yeah, it just it's like, well, how is this con- this clip going to clear? Are we allowed to use this? Well, if we go and we find this clip on the internet, we're going to have to pay this schmo three hundred dollars for this. Okay, but we're you know. And at a certain point, Roger uh, Lay, you know, he goes off and he starts producing his own movies and he's working for Gary Goddard now and he's designing amusement parks and all this stuff and and I'm working. Yeah, so at a certain point, um, the thing just sort of, you know, just kind of stumbled along and we just kept encountering uh, problems and we were so busy that we just would, when we had a chance, we would try to tick these... uh, problems uh right. you know out of the way and it just it just took forever and also there's been some you know internal uh, uh struggle um you know it was Roger and I from the beginning and we involved um Mike Nichols who was a really great editor and post production guy and who's one of the producers mm-hmm. now but uh there was there was uh, some some friction along the way uh as yeah. far as you know, uh, when you don't have anything in writing and it's two good friends and an extra person and who did what and who gets what and all of this sort of stuff, it becomes, you know, uh, it becomes like, uh, you know, fuck you guys, I'm going home, you know, and then and, and we don't see each other for, uh, we don't see each other for six months and now it's, it becomes like, hey guys, we have a movie here, can we try to like bury the hatch it and try to figure like, out? It sounds like someone can do a documentary on the document and get the documentary you would not, done. You would not be the first person to suggest that and I wish, I wished we would have uh, had uh, a behind the scenes of not only our internal uh, battles, but like all the shit that we had to deal with with Roger Sweet and oh, I bet. just God. so much, so much behind the scenes gobbledygook. Um, but yeah, I mean, the making of this thing has been a uh, a strange reflection of the uh, the the movie itself. So where 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 do we where does it sit now? I mean, we are you... we are okay. perilously close. We are uh, on on the precipice uh, of of. Uh, of having it um, out, uh, and that means, and we've been there for a while. We've we've had a final cut essentially for, oh, I mean, several years. Uh, the problem is, we have to just because something is essentially locked, we have to go. Well, we can replace that photo of Menahem Golem with another photo of Menahem Golem, and we can mm. pay fifty dollars versus three hundred and fifty. So gotcha. we get it locked to a certain point, but there's we're still sort of exchanging certain things. We've had offers from major distributors already, um, and uh, so um, you know. Technically, we could sign a deal tomorrow with um, one of the the major places that has put out all of the documentaries that you've enjoyed. Uh, we are just uh, 
uh, I wouldn't say biding our time. We are just getting all of the ducks in the right. row because yeah. we we have been in this position several times before, and it's it's been the uh, a proverbial uh, uh, you know a, a pie explosion in the face, and so we don't want to do it again. We are closer than we've ever been. The movie is done, done. It's not yeah. a problem of you know. I mean, you you've seen it, so it's yeah. it's done. It's done. People want to see it. Distributors want to buy it. There's just a lot of legal um, stuff legal, to legal. get in order. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, this um, it's just it's wonderful. I just I really hope that it comes out. I really hope that like you know at San Diego Comic Con, you know they can go into a theater and and watch it. And then I hope it gets on Netflix. I mean, this is right up. I mean, I, this has probably been compared many, many times. I'm sure someone's t- told you because as soon as I finished it, I was like, "Oh my god, this is like King of Kong, only better." Because you had multiple <laughs> people in it. It wasn't just like two guys. It was like uh, multiple, multiple stories going on. Yeah, and I mean, I it's, really enjoyed that. That's and a the, very flattering comparison. I mean, we we definitely knew those parallels going in. That movie was definitely one of our favorites and definitely one that we were thinking about. Um, uh, but yeah, I think that's an apt comparison. Now, I wouldn't compare ours in quality to theirs because theirs is just so very good. But I would say that just the, the feel of, even if you don't know anything about video games, mm-hmm. you, you're going to be fascinated by Steve Wiebe and, uh, you know, the guy with the, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. with the taco sauce, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's one of those things uh, totally. So I do think that um, not only Masters fans out there, but just, uh, you know, people are, who just like documentaries and fun stories are going to... Are going to dig it, so yeah, it's it's um, you know uh, we are we are so very close, and we appreciate the patience of of everybody. Um, it's just I, I've tried to explain on you know on social media when people start giving us grief, you, you have no idea one what it's like to do this, two what it's like to do it with nobody, and three. Uh, you know the the kinds of hurdles that we've personally had to go through in order to get it to this point. So, um, ha, Corey, have you? Because um, this is just fascinating to me. Have you documented all this stuff? I mean, have you thought about like putting out some sort of like uh, a, a? I mean, obviously you didn't do a documentary, the documentary, but I mean, have you wrote stuff down that you can like? you know, put in a book form, you know, like a companion piece of the movie. Cause this is, this shit's riveting to me. Like I love the movie in and of itself, but there's a whole like story of like the shit you had to go through just to get the movie out is still pretty, pretty fascinating too. Well, I mean, if that ends up being a thing, um, I guess that is a, an interesting idea. I've never really considered it. I, I haven't written anything down, but uh, you know, I, I can certainly it's remember everything. Yeah, and if yeah, I, I mean, I can't imagine somebody would want to hear about it. But if they did, um, you know, it, it, may, it might might be an interesting thing to jot down. I've also considered um, uh, turning the full. Uh, version of the movie and do a uh, a podcast series, which I think would be oh, interesting. Oh shit! Because yeah. you would get you know you would get um, uh, a more expansive sort of uh, view of it, and you would also sort of get more of the behind the scenes stuff that you are talking about. So I mm-hmm. I, I am I am uh, very much considering doing that as well. So now that, that that's a play. good idea. That's a good medium because you can integrate all that stuff. Uh, having to get it made, you can integrate that. All yeah. within, you know, in the pot. That's a great idea, actually. I, who was your favorite? Uh, who was your favorite interview that you guys did? Oh, yeah. uh, favorite interview, I would say. Um, 
Uh, it was really cool to get to talk to Lou Scheimer because, um, one, he was so entertaining and also so nice, but uh, two, uh, because he was just a signa- literally a signature that I remember from my childhood. Anytime Filmation came up and you, you would see his signature, I mean, that was a name that I had known since I was a kid, and to sit in his office and to talk to him, that was um, a little surreal and, and a huge thrill. <laughs> um, other than that... Uh, per- perversely, uh, I would say uh, Roger Sweet because we spent uh, several days with him uh, uh, at his home in Seattle and also a day in Los Angeles with him. And I, f- I think he is the most fascinating character in the movie. <laughs> and, and, and as much as I wanted to um, beat my head against the wall and his as well during the interview, I found him... Uh, very sweet, very fascinating, very bizarre, very frustrating. I, so all of those things together, I just think Roger Sweet is uh, pretty much interview gold. Yeah, you can't make <laughs> yeah. him. You can't make. You can't make him up. You can't yeah. like. You know, kind of like Dwight on The Office. It's like, does someone yeah. like that exist? That's he crazy. Almost, <laughs> he almost has almost like a story arc in the in the movie too. Oh which yeah. I, I don't want to ruin it, but it's you know he's when you he first meet him. Yeah, when you first meet him, you're like, "What the hell, dude? You're yeah. you're you're not a nice person." And then you watch the documentary unfold, and by the end of it, and you know, you you do the um, when he reveals what he's been doing, and then you reveal at the end, you know, what where everybody's at at the at a certain point in their life. I was like, "Oh my god!" Is, <laughs> I don't want to spoil it, but like it was it was really interesting. It, yeah, your, yeah, your whole and opinion exactly. of him changes. Yeah, and the, and the and the thing that we uh, two things I'll say about the, that point that you just made. One, one is, um, you know, we wanted to be uh, very truthful to our point of view with the way that we portrayed people, and we really very much uh, tried uh, hard not to uh, be manipulative to try to put anything um, out of order to make people feel a certain way that we didn't feel. So, I mean, when you get to that point in that movie and you feel that, it's not us d- deliberately trying to uh, pull something. It's because we f- we felt that and we wanted the audience to feel that. So anytime you see somebody being a dick in the movie, it's not like, we hate this guy, we want to make him look like a dick. It's because that guy's a dick right now. <laughs> that guy's a dick. <laughs> yeah. So we were very, I feel that we were, we did a really good job of being very intellectually honest with how people were portrayed. Um, and then the other thing I'll say is, the, yeah, you go into... Uh, the movie thinking of Roger Sweet in a certain way, and you end up thinking of him in a slightly different way, and and that is so true about so many other people in the movie, and it's a good lesson uh, in general. It's people are very complicated, and we want to put people in these little categories and these little boxes, and and like we say at the end about you know uh, the good guys and the bad guys sort of idea, it's like it's very complicated. People are very complicated, and you may go in thinking Roger Sweet is this way and Mark Taylor is this way and so forth and so on, but the truth is just far more complicated, and and, and their stories are far more complicated, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, yeah, Roger Sweet's got some major issues, but is the guy a bastard? Ah, no, I don't think so. He was very kind to us, you know, but I understand why a lot of people want to completely strangle him. You can have both. <laughs> you can yeah. have both, you know? That's what's interesting. Well, I, I personally, I, I know 
we're I'm we're both gushing over because it's right up our alley. It's got something to do with nerd shit. It's toys, and it's a for us. It's it's behind the scenes stuff, and that hits yeah. all the things for me. Oh, um, yeah. This is this is right up there with. For me, it's right up there with like King of Kong and and the the Superman Lives story and all those all those documentaries that people think that nobody cares about. No, there's people that care about that, and that's why we're podcasting because yeah. that stuff is so awesome. I, I we've said on the podcast before, you basically you guys basically made an hour and a half uh, movie that would be on like the B side of the special features where the the special features lie the second disc. Um, right. It's right. so it's so great. Like everything that you guys like, and, and then there, I had like a couple of like aha moments. I won't say anything that ruins the 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 plot, but for me, it was it was where you had mentioned somebody else making a, a different toy and it ended up being the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle line. And oh I was yeah, like, oh yeah. my god! Oh, I was like, yeah, wait a that minute, blew me yeah. away too. I was like, wait a minute, and then all of a sudden the the dots connected. I was like, oh, that's almost the same body type. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, the turtles yeah. and He-Man action figures are so like distinguishable because of their size and their bulkiness. It's like the same yeah. thing if 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 a doll comes if a doll comes out for, you know, that resembles a Barbie, you know exactly that that kind of looks like a Barbie because it's so right. iconic. And the right. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles body and arms are they're basically just missing like two other digits. It's the same like muscle type too from He-Man yeah. that I can remember. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> That was kind of a big light bulb for me too. I just I was blown away. I was like, "And you're complaining about what? Like, you had, some, you had a good run. You had a good run, man." Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it was uh, this is this was it was really really cool. Um, well, I, I what, really, I, what are you guys going to do for an for encore? Can you guys do Thundercats? Yeah. Pardon me. <laughs> oh, can we do Thundercats? <laughs> I mean, uh, I feel like there might be somebody out there doing it. I don't know, but I don't even. I mean, maybe the stories is interesting. I don't know, but it's certainly, uh, it's certainly. I'm trying to uh, think of like all the toys that I was playing with that you guys should. Do oh, I know. Of. We can do, we can do Silverhawks. <laughs> we can do Thundercats. Mask. We can do Mask. Yes, yes. Uh, Bionic, <laughs> I, uh, Bionic Six. I don't know if you guys know that one. I don't know Bionic Six. No. Bionic Six. Uh, it was about this like whole. It was. It was the first time that I ever saw an Asian cart, like an Asian person in cartoon. Oh wow! For that wasn't like an anime. And yeah. because basically this entire family, these two, these two white couple, this white couple adopts like all these different kids along with, they have their one kid. So they adopt like a, a, an Asian kid, a, 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 I think a black boy or girl. Um, and basically they're a big six, fa- they're, they're six people. They get into this like accident and they all get these like bionic parts. <laughs> now that I'm saying out loud, it's really stupid. <clears throat> so they like become basic man. superheroes. Bionic they become family. superheroes. And the toys were full on metal with like see through, uh, see through body parts of their bionics. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's it was an awesome toy too. So yeah, I cool. never. Well, maybe you should make a documentary about that, Vic. Well, the fact that both of you have never seen it out first. Yeah, yeah. The fact that both of you, the both of you haven't seen it, I don't think I'm gonna get a lot of traction on a documentary. <laughs> <myself>. No. <laughs> <laughs> Fellow toy nerds, like I don't know what that is, man. You're yeah, on your exactly. own. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there, um, is there actually one that you might want to like? Have you thought about doing something like as a follow up? Uh, I mean, 
Despite uh, the fact that, uh, you know, we made some mistakes which caused us uh, tremendous headaches, my uh, uh, line that I've been telling everybody all along the way is go make a documentary. It's uh, – you can do it and it's so rewarding and so much fun and it's so great. Um, So – I got to sort of eat my words and uh, uh yeah I, I would definitely <laughs> I would I would definitely like to do something else um because I f- I love documentaries so much and I found the experience to be so great and I've certainly learned a lot from it um the the uh, the one that I would I mean I I would say oh I'm not going to say it because it was like well, what the hell if somebody's going to do it they're going to do it um I I would like to do a documentary about speech and debate teams that's sort of very similar to um, the ones that we've seen about um, uh, the kids who do the spelling bees and the people who mm-hmm. play Scrabble and that kind of thing. I would like to – I came from a, a, a town that had a really good uh, speech and debate team that I was a part of. And it's such a bizarre um, um, idea and a, a pastime and a hobby and things that kids do. They wear like suits and they go in a room and they – it's really strange. And they take it very seriously, and so I, th- I think it would be kind of interesting to follow certain teams throughout the year and follow certain kids and uh, kind of expose the, um, you know, because not a lot of people out there know what actually goes on at a speech and debate tournament, and it's really interesting. So that's the one idea that I've uh, sort of had. Um, I would and, caution uh, I would caution uh, what you named the, the movie. Do not call it the Master Debaters. No, 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 no. That's good idea. Note taken. Uh, yeah, because it has a double meaning if you didn't know yes, already. Yes. <laughs> or fuck it, call it that. Yeah. <laughs> you might sell some tickets, like, but it's like a bunch of creepy old men with trench coats. Yeah, like, yeah you might have the wrong audience showing up. Yeah. Because something different. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get submitted for the AVN awards instead of instead of like the Saturn awards. <laughs> uh, well, all right. Well, I, I don't have anything else because if I said anything else, I'd want to spoil it because there's like so many things I want to talk about, but I can't talk about it because I don't want to spoil the documentary because I, I really want people to see it. Well, I wanted to say before we go, um, maybe just maybe if. When this does come out, uh, the the movie, and everybody's seen it, I would it would be interesting to revisit it and actually get to spoil the shit out of it because I want to talk about it so bad, and I can't. <laughs> so sure. it's like, you know, just no, absolutely, to try yeah, to do a absolutely, with you. yeah. I, w- I, w- I would love to. Um, yeah, when when uh, when I will say when, not if, when this uh, thing comes out, I would love to get into the nitty gritty um, minutia of all the all the strange turns that we uh, have in the movie. Definitely, this is you, definitely uh, the first time I've actually watched a movie where I danced around spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's I true. Appreciate that, but yeah, I mean, it's do, not. It's, uh, yeah. Yo, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say it's not like a. It's not you know the sixth sense or anything, but there are just certain <laughs> things that you know I don't want to ruin for people. Yeah, well, no, if you do I, I it, liked it so much that I, every question that I, I I asked you beforehand, I only actually had like four four or five things that I wanted to talk about from the movie mm-hmm. that I know wasn't going to spoil anything. And then every question that I asked you, like I almost asked you a question inadvertently that would have spoiled like the whole ending of your movie. <laughs> 
like, it, but it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a dead on question about that's the ending. what's edited. That's what editing is for. It's all right. You fix but it like, if somebody listened to the words that were coming out of my mouth, right. they would have been like, "Did that fuck would just spoil the ending?" Yeah, asshole. Well, yeah. if you do, uh, if you do end up coming out with the master debaters, we we coin that term. That's we get a fair what enough. What is it? It's three hundred bucks. On record. Yeah, okay. it's on record. <laughs> it's either three hundred dollars or you have to come back for the PR that that's, you have to explain that, that it's not that type of a movie. <laughs> that is fine. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, uh, thank you, Corey. We really appreciate having you on, and we love the doc, and we hope that uh, you know it finally gets released and everybody gets to watch it. Then we get oh, you know what? Plug, plug, plug your stuff right now. Plug, oh, yeah, yeah. Plug, plug your plug website you or want. anything. Yeah. Oh, um, no, I... I if you if you're perversely interested in me, which you shouldn't be from listening to this, <laughs> I, I uh, I've got a, I've got an album out there that was produced by uh, by Jeff Emmerich, who engineered the Beatles and produced Elvis Costello and Paul McCartney Holy Wings, shit. and yeah. Uh, so it's if if I am to direct somebody to one thing that I've done that uh, um, I'm, in, I'm proud of, you can go listen to my album Corey Landis and the Attacks. Um, but other than that, uh, that's all I got. Uh, my buddy Roger Lay, um, I should plug things for him since he's not here. Yeah. He's got uh, he's got some movies coming out through Universal, a series of movies called Aliens Ate My Homework, and it'll be a Netflix, uh, I believe, wow. a Netflix original movie, something like that. Should be coming out soon. There, he's not uh, talking to us because he's actually in the studio working on the score right now with our friend Brandon Moore, who is who did the music for Toy Masters, and he's doing the music for Aliens Ate My Homework. So they're working That's on that right cool. now. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Rogers, he's doing well, so he's out there doing that. So everybody watch for uh, Aliens Ate My Homework, and uh, and yeah, that'll be good. Very Great. cool. All right, Well, thank guys. you, guys. Thanks yeah, for thank watching the movie. Thank you so much. And, yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that was episode 94 of Chew on This, a Nerd United podcast. I'm BJ. Vic. Until next time, folks, chew on that. Later. Bye-bye.